in the name of the crucified God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When you go to the Holy Land, there are signs that you will often see at the front doors of many churches. Silence, no explanations. That is a fitting sign for us to put in the front of our minds today. In Israel, the signs are there to maintain a sense of reverence and worship in churches that are often treated as tourist attractions more than they are holy sites. At any given location, there are sometimes dozens of tour groups in the buildings. And if each of the guides were trying to point out all of the various things to pay attention to, then those who are there to pray would be distracted and frustrated. And so there is a sign at most churches, no explanations. Good Friday is not a day for explanations. The refrain of faith for today is, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. How exactly the death of Jesus does this, we cannot say for sure. It is as absurd as seeing a video posted by a terrorist group beheading a prisoner, or seeing a photo of lynching that happened in this country, and being told, There, is the savior of the world. There is no explanation for this. As St. Paul writes, the cross is a stumbling block and foolishness to those who try to apply logic and reasoning to it. Certainly there are theological understandings of the cross, but what matters is not how the cross saves us, rather that it does. One theologian has even cautioned against trying to find an explanation for the cross, because if we ever had an explanation, we would worship our explanation rather than the one who was on the cross. Jesus himself is the explanation. To know Jesus is to understand his cross. And so instead of seeking explanations, the cross remains a mystery. Now, a mystery is not an unsolvable problem. Rather, mystery is a reality that makes us question everything else that we assumed was true. Because of the cross, we see everything differently. So when we read Psalm 22, it is not as if the gospelers, in writing about the Passion, were scouring the scriptures, looking for something to explain what happened. No, instead, Psalm 22 is used in scripture to proclaim how the cross makes sense of everything else. The cross reveals to us the deepest truths of God, which is why we often refer to the cross as showing us the grain of the universe. In the cross, we encounter the meaning, the purpose, the direction of all things. The love of God that has no limit. Throughout this Holy Week, the Psalms have been our guide. And the 22nd 
has been the central psalm for this day, ever since Jesus uttered its opening verses from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus cries out with these words, he is evoking the entirety of the psalm. It's not only that Jesus feels abandoned on the cross, but he is calling into focus the entire arc of Psalm 22, which concludes with the saving deeds of God. But before rushing ahead there, it's worth lingering with this cry of dereliction, as it is sometimes called. We have all felt alone at times. Perhaps it's not knowing what decision to make, not knowing who we can trust with our deepest thoughts, fears, and longings, not having anyone to turn to when we need help, or being lonely in a new or unsettling situation. Whatever the setting, being alone is one of the most inhumane experiences there is. This is why solitary confinement is seen as one of the most torturous and severe of punishments. Human beings are made for relationship. And here on the cross, Jesus suffers alone, feeling separated even from the Father. Whatever loneliness, whatever pain, whatever doubt you experience, Jesus has been there and is with you, and so we are never truly alone. One early church theologian said, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed, but that which has been joined to God is saved. Because of the cross, we never have to fear being forsaken by God. Jesus suffering on the cross conjures up similar imagery to what we heard in Psalm 22, being surrounded by bulls, lions, and dogs, having bones out of joint, a melting heart, and a dry mouth, and people gloating, piercing, and gawking at him. In every way, crucifixion was dehumanizing and excruciating. Jesus suffered deeply on the cross. And so when we gaze upon the cross, we might ask, why? Why was so much blood necessary for our salvation? Why did the cross have to be so painful? Why did God not find another way to save us? Again, we don't trade in explanations on Good Friday. But we can still rightfully ask not how the cross saves us, but why God would do this. Psalm 22's final verse tells us, so that the descendants of God shall know the saving deeds that he has done. Jesus endured the cross to save us, and Jesus would stop at nothing, not insults, not lions, not nails, to bring salvation to all. As we read in verse 28, the result of this is that even those who sleep in the earth, that is, all of those who die, shall have a reason to bow down and worship him. On the cross, Jesus dies and therefore defeats death. Jesus goes into the depths 
and undoes death from the inside with a love that can never be defeated. Each of us certainly will die, but that will not be the end of our story. And verse 29 notes that the Messiah's descendants shall be known as the Lord's forever. In other words, we belong to God, and we are never defined by the things that we have done and left undone. We are not our accomplishments. And so we can let go of trying to build our ego, our net worth, our resumes. We are not our failures. So we can move on from our past mistakes, our failures, our regrets. Sin will remain something for us to struggle with, but we are no longer enslaved to it. And while we might have to contend with sin in the present, sin will not define our future. Jesus goes to the cross to save us from both sin and death. And so when we hear in that final verse that the saving deeds of God have been done, we have a sense of what Jesus meant in his last words that we heard in St. John's Passion. It is finished. Death is over. Sin is done for. Salvation is accomplished. It is finished. This is the good news of Good Friday that salvation is accomplished, so we do not need to worry about justifying ourselves, saving ourselves, defending ourselves, for the saving deeds of God have been finished. And having been done, we are now able to enjoy these fruits of salvation. To do this, though, we have to see ourselves as descendants who are gods forever. We have to remember who we are. Good Friday has often been seen as a sacrifice. One theologian writes about it as if we were watching a child standing in the middle of the road with a large truck bearing down on it. Why the driver is aiming for the child, we don't know. Perhaps they are evil, perhaps distracted, perhaps blind. But those reasons do not change the situation. Then imagine someone rushes in from the side of the street and gets between the child and the truck, taking the blow of the collision while pushing this helpless child to safety. In this image, clearly Jesus is the savior who gives his life for the child. The problem is that most of us think of ourselves as the child who is saved by Jesus' sacrifice. We are not. We are the driver of the truck. And Jesus has willingly and knowingly taken on the damage that we have caused. Could God have just simply forgiven our sins with a word? Of course. But forgiveness without cost is cheap, dangerous, and unbelievable. Jesus dies so that we can receive him. In a sermon that St. Peter preaches in Acts, he notes that we killed Jesus, but God gave him back to us, raising him from the dead. We were not ready to receive his peace, his mercy, his love. We rejected it. 
and we continue to reject it daily when we choose indifference over justice, selfishness over sacrifice, division over love. Because Jesus allowed us to kill him, we can be confident that all has been atoned for. The death of Jesus is God saying to us, yes, I know what you have done, and yet you are held in my love forever. This is why, as verse 26 of the psalm puts it, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall bow down before him. In sin, we plowed right into Jesus. And in him, God was God for us. We received nothing but grace and peace in return. God has always been with us, and God has always been for us. And the cross shows us just how deeply, profoundly, and beautifully this is true. The prolific Anglican hymn writer Charles Wesley put it this way, Love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won. And in the third verse of Psalm 22, we read, Yet you are the Holy One. It is that yet on which Good Friday hinges. It is the yet of God's grace, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, as St. Paul writes in Romans. It is the yet of forgiveness that though we are hell-bent on destruction, yet Jesus is forsaken so that we do not need to be. It is the yet of mercy that though we may die, yet life in God never ends. It is the yet of love that while there may be no explanations for today, yet love's redeeming work is done.